The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. Hello, and welcome back to The Space Between Presents The Root of All Evil. I'm your host, Danny, and joining me are the cream of the crop from season one. We've got Sarah Burns doodling it up. Hello, yes. yes. Caught me off guard, even though I shouldn't have been, because I'm doodling. <laughs> Author of Lanny, The Girl Without Fear, Dan Cole, who's day drinking. <laughs> yeah, I might be a little drunk already. Yeah, sweet. Uh, and the mastermind of the Professional Casual Network, Tim France, who's trying to get food out of his teeth. It's it's just, it's like in my molars. <laughs> <laughs> We're so glad you're joining us for season two in our deep dive into Netflix's four-part docuseries, Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. With that in mind, a word of caution. This season is going to deal with some very touchy and uncomfortable subject material. Listener discretion is advised. See our show notes for information if you or someone you know is a survivor of sexual assault or abuse. Thanks for joining us for The Space Between Presents, The Root of All Evil. All right, friends, here we go. We're talking episode two, which is called Follow the Money. Yeah, this one wasn't as difficult to watch because it wasn't as painful in a way. That's very true. I felt like I needed to drink to get through pretty much every other episode but this. Right. Yeah, it's more about financial shenanigans. Yeah. So it doesn't feel as terrible. Right. It's still terrible. Showing a different way Epstein was just a shitbag of a person. Right. Right. Yes. And really, like, Dan and I were talking about this earlier today, how all of these things kind of, like, paved the way for him to do the things that he ends up doing, where, like, if at any point... In the formation of his career, if anyone at any time would have said, hey, no, you, you can't do that. You can't lie about graduating from college. If at any point right. anyone would have stopped that, maybe he wouldn't have gotten to the point where he was. I, think, um, I had to Google it because I was concerned at one point hearing his backstory that he might have been the um, inspiration for that Catch Me If You Can book and movie. Oh, right. Yeah. I was like, oh, this sounds somewhat familiar. Yeah. But he sure. wasn't. I don't believe so. I also okay, didn't good. actually look yeah. into it. I knew that movie was based off a real person. I just The was... book is on my to read list from last summer's library bingo where you had to read a true crime book that's nonviolent. And I was like, What's the point? Epstein is a great example of See something, say something. Yeah, could have stopped. Oh, for sure. A long time ago. Yeah. Although, right? see something, say something can you know can have racial connotations. But I think in this instance it's like if someone just to speak up right. and say something, yep. this probably wouldn't have been as bad as it was. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. So episode two opens with the search of Epstein's Palm Beach mansion because episode one left on that cliffhanger. They said that they were very surprised by what they found. The quote is, we were extremely surprised by what we found inside Epstein's house. And then that's where the episode ends. So episode two starts with the search. There are nude photos all over the place, like art I'm putting in air quotes yeah. because it's in frames on the wall, yeah. which I know that nudity can be art. Like, I'm not discounting that whatsoever, but it's mm-hmm. like weird, like half statues of just like an ass coming out of the wall. It's the amount of art. It's right. just so focused on female bodies. The other thing that makes it kind of disturbing is that it's making women into objects because, mm. as you said, Danny, it's part of the body. It's not the whole body. Right. You don't really see the face. Mm-hmm. It's um, objectification. Uh, through art and through just the amount of naked young female bodies that he has. Right. You know, aside from, aside, it's, I know it's hard to like pull away from the storyline of him being a, a pedophile and a rapist, but like even if you were just looking at that, you'd be like, this guy's a perv. Yeah. You know, Super so. Super pervy. Well, and I feel like if you walk into anyone's house and there is so much volume of art dedicated to one subject. Yes. Like that's not only is the subject material in this particular case a red flag. Mm-hmm. Correct. But if you walk into someone's house and they have 300 pictures of Snaggletooth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're like, "Wow, this like, dude's wow. weird." Seems excessive. Like, <laughs> something is obviously off here. You need a new decorator. And I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about a little bit in episode 1 of this it's totally that grooming aspect mm-hmm. where these girls walk in and they see all this nudity and it's kind of like, you know, it uh, it desensitizes you in a little, yeah. in, in a way, I guess. Mm. The police footage is so weird. It's very like shaky cam, 
Blair Witch Project. I was just going to say, yeah. no. Yeah. Like, up with the it. camera's going over. everywhere. Like, I, I just, don't know. I just wanted to turn around and just see the eyes up go, I see a bunch of naked <laughs> pictures. There's some dude standing in the corner facing the wall. Like, <laughs> There's so many nipples. <laughs> nipples! <laughs> The police, they describe like this bizarre steam room and massage room setup and everything is just really, it's just strange, yeah. you know. I don't, I don't know if anyone else experienced this, but the picture in my head of what his massage room looked like and the huge open like gym room. Yeah. that it was, was not what I was expecting Correct. at all. Yeah. I was expecting something a lot smaller with mood lighting and stuff. And right, like an, a legit massage room. Not an yes. open garage with a right. table in yeah. it. Like, oh, hey, here's your <laughs> sex dungeon. Right. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah, super. With your peeled tile floor and just <laughs> like, ugh. Can you uh, have some class about your sex dungeon? Really? I mean, you have so much money. Right? Get some goddamn candles or something. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is terrible. It's so bad. (laughs) So as the police search the house, most of the computers and stuff have been taken out already. He clearly knew that he was under investigation. Like, they describe there are places, like, on the desks and stuff where, like, a CPU had been or, like, wires dangling and the hard drive had been removed from an existing computer. I said they showed, like, like, empty computer towers. Like, they just took it apart. It's it's like, like, oh, wow, you're you're having all of your IT stuff redone at the same time right before... We served you this search warrant. Yeah, I got a bunch of child porn on it. I don't want you to see. <laughs> <laughs> got to get this scrubbed. Yeah. Um, so lots had been removed from the property, but there's still plenty of evidence. And the victim's description of the home completely matched what they saw. Like there's specifically like some couch, like a pink and green couch or something. Yeah. Um, that every victim described, and they found that. And like the stairway, like the curved stairway leading up. Everything matches the victim's description of the house. Well, and that's super important, too, because in a lot of criminal cases, if you have really a a disgusting amount of people that are able to recreate his house and tell Mm -hmm. you exactly how to get to what room and from where and what the layout is, it's shocking that this has gone on as far as or as long as it did. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Privilege. White male privilege. Privilege. You got money. Yay. Yay. One of the things that Epstein failed to remove from his house, which I find really shocking, memo pads with the victim's contact information on them. Right. It's just so fucking out in the open. Right. It's just, hey, Susie called. She can't come until 2.30 because she needs to stay in school that day. Like, what the? What? What? I feel like that should be enough evidence by itself, right? practically. It's got information on victims. It's got female recruiter, uh, the adult female recruiter information, all of this stuff. Super incriminating. So you can only imagine what would have been on the computers. Like, right. if it's not enough to right. remove the memo pads, I don't want to know what was on the computers. I can imagine what it was. But damn, that's incredible. Do you think he just assumed that whoever was answering the phones at his estate was not writing things down and was just <laughs> telling them, like, right, there's I mean, not a record of that, right? right. No, just I, the carbon copies. I could absolutely <laughs> see him not taking an interest or, yeah, like, a, sure. a care in that whatsoever. I could absolutely see that, especially with just his, his like, pomp and his narcissism and, and that whole thing. I think it's it's also a case, and you, 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 I feel like you see this with other serial killers or other... Um, criminals that if you just get away with it for so long, you just get lazy. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. And that's usually like Sarah. I know you and I. We consume a lot of like true crime serial Probably killer to my stuff. Detriment. You know, yes. maybe a little bit too much, but <laughs> that is typically why people get caught is because they get so confident that mm-hmm. they get lazy. Yeah. So uh, Jeffrey Epstein, a lazy pedophile. A lazy pedophile. The former police chief on the case, who's Involved heavily in this docuseries, he explains that there was pushback from within the police department for the Epstein case. Mm -hmm. A lot of people really dragged their feet. It was really clear that uh, they were, some of them were on Epstein's payroll, probably. And that he was not. Right, he definitely was not. Because he's throughout this entire Uh series is like, I don't know why this wasn't going further, why this was being stopped. We tried to bring these charges up, you know what I mean? And that sucks to be in that position. Uh That should be. A high up position because he was the chief, right? In that position. Yes, he was the chief. And for him to have his hands tied, right? Even though he's trying, even mm-hmm. though he's completely disregarding what he's being told, and to, to see, push the case anyway, and to see pushback from within your department, like, no, you should be just doing your job. Like, why are you fighting? 
I was right. for this sleaze bag. It's a slam dunk case. Yes, it should have absolutely should have right. been. Should have been. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I was really glad they chose that guy to be like their anchor interview. Yeah, they went yeah. back to him constantly because he w- it was like, wow, there's okay. Thank God there's somebody. It's like a good person. There seems to be yeah. a decent human being. Thank God there's a thing. Jeff Lowe here to kind of like <laughs> make sure that there's a good guy. That's not what whoa, I said whoa, at whoa, all. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh man. His name's Michael Ryder. He's the former police chief. So I just he's a ride or die bitch. Ride or die for those uh, victims. He's great. So rewind to 1999. Trump's estate in Palm Beach. We have Virginia Roberts Gouffre, and she was working there as a locker room attendant. She wanted to go to massage school. She's just hanging out outside of the locker room, like reading a massage manual book thing. And Glenn Maxwell sees her there and tells her about this job as Epstein's traveling masseuse. And so Gouffre, who's like 17 at the time, she, you know, fairly young, she jumps at the opportunity. Like, what a great experience. They tell her that she can get her, um, like, massage license through them. Like, they'll pay for it. They'll pay for her education, all that stuff, which as someone with a lot of student debt, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, give me on-the-job training and pay for me to get my my license. I wonder if anyone... Any of them had a red flag going off, like, this seems too good to be true. Right. Not Again, not victim blaming in any way. No. I probably would have done the exact mm-hmm. same thing. You know, I just, I, I wonder if any of them. Right. Was like, well. Eh, yeah. Eh, but I, I also think that he targeted the people that he did because they would be less likely to think that way. Yeah. You know, that true. he he felt of himself as like a savior for them. <laughs> well, and, and we've discussed that very specific point, too. And we in season one, too, where we talked about it with Joe Exotic, where he allows these people to have access to something that they haven't had access for to before mm-hmm. and make sure that he's the only person that can provide it to them. Right. So they are not only committed to him, but locked in. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have a way out. Right. Absolutely. So so Virginia goes to meet with him. And um, when she gets to his house, she sees lots of pictures of him with powerful people, which in addition to. The nudity, that's a way of also grooming, like, look how powerful and influential I am. Right. I had my picture taken. Oh, my God. You know? I mean, I've had my picture taken with a lot of the characters from Disney World, and you will find none of those framed in my house. So They're in a shoe box (laughs) under my bed. I I keep them on the headboard, and I look at them sometimes. (laughs) I put them on the ceiling above my bed. But not my picture with Goofy. That one's just for me. <laughs> I'm like, Dan, Dan, <laughs> Dan remember, remember that time we met Olaf and he wouldn't, he couldn't sign a signature and he didn't talk to us? He's the strong, silent type. <laughs> Olaf. Jeez. Oh, Took that bitch's nose, though. <laughs> and I ate it. Oh, now I'm with some hummus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Tabuli. <laughs> okay, <laughs> way off. So Jeffrey Epstein and Glenn Maxwell ask Virginia about her life. She has a really similar background to all the other girls. She was a runaway. She'd been abused, that sort of thing. So his typical victim that he would definitely choose. It's so frustrating, too, with this particular type of victim because she was a runaway. She obviously, statistically, wouldn't have the best path in life. Mm-hmm. But she's fucking buckling down and she's like trying to get... Um, I don't know if it's a certification or, or what it is. Some to, kind of license, yeah. Right, to yep. be able to have a career and, and be able to do something. And mm-hmm. to have it... Functioning adult. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's rare to see that in a 17-year-old, mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get my life together, Absolutely. and I'm going to fucking have a career. Yep. I'm going to get the hell out of here. And have that fucking yeah. derailed like it will be is heartbreaking. Yeah. So they're asking her these questions as she's giving Jeffrey Epstein a massage. He flips over. Tells Virginia to undress, Galen undresses, and they all have sex. Super awkward. I hate the segue with all of the victims and their testimony, too, where they're telling the story, and then there's the flip where, and then he flipped over. Like, I hate hearing that now. And you're like, because you know, you just know. Yeah, every time you hear, and then he flipped over. No! 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 Fuck! Staple his ass to that fucking table and leave him. (laughs) (laughs) So, Galen, I think it was, tells her, the interview went great. You're going to come back tomorrow. And she does. So she explains how she moved up Epstein's ladder very quickly. She did whatever he asked of her. Epstein and Maxwell normalized the abuse. And Virginia explains how they would do, like, normal things together. Like, in his um his island, in, what is it, the Virgin Islands or whatever? I believe so. Little St. Yeah. Jeff's. 
Which again, fucking ego stroke. Give Ugh. me a break. They it's would only like a little island. Yeah, it's, it's a little Saint Jeff. Is island. there is there is a connection there? Island? Is Saint Jeff something specific? Is he a well, protector it, of children or something? No, like technically that? the island is Little Saint James, but oh, he gotcha. changed it to be Little Saint Jeff's uh, to have his own bitch. name there, right? Yeah. Mm. It's not enough that you can buy your own fucking private island, but then you have to name it after yourself. Like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> so Virginia talks about how like they would go bowling or on the island they would go snorkeling and like the three of them would do these things that were like normal fun activities but then there was also the weird sex stuff right that they would do so um in the Wondery podcast they go into a lot more detail about her involvement specifically um and in the docuseries, they do mention how she was, like, lent out to his friends, like, powerful people, like Prince Andrew, Disgusting. who I guess they yeah. call Randy Andy, which I think is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know. Accurate? If the shoe fits, you yeah. know. Sweaty Betty would be more. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Yes. So she, um, Virginia didn't think the police would believe her if she told, and Epstein had said to her, I own the Palm Beach Police Department. So... Well, privilege, privilege, cha-ching. I mean, and very legitimately for her to file a complaint against the Duke of York. Right. Um, right. How, that is the right intense. title, right? I Talk about power. Duke of York, yeah. uh, he's some Duke of some shit. Duke Not of, anymore, though, right? Wasn't he, like, totally... I don't know. Nothing don't Nothing negative has happened to him. Couldn't yeah. care less about those kind of things. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> Literally. I mean, that's, that's, that's specifically fuck the monarchy that still yeah, exists sorry. there for some reason. Right. Oh, they're like our celebrities. Like, I care about Chrissy Teigen getting her breast implants out. People over there care about Randy Andy and who he's fucking. Yeah. So, Apparently. You know. It, who has a medical condition, which means he can't sweat anymore. What? <laughs> there's, what? An inter- there's an interview with him where he's like, because they talk about Virginia's testimony about how he's very sweaty. Yeah. And he's like, actually, I have a metal condition. And I, I can't sweat. It's just, it's really weird. I'm just, I, I can't sweat. So that obviously couldn't have been me. What? Just ignore that picture of me with her and my arm around her. Right. Yeah. Being and sweaty. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why sweaty. <laughs> yeah. It was actually raining that well, day. Sh- she'll mention that. <laughs> just over me. Yeah, just on me. Okay. She mentions that later on, too. Like, they went out to the club dancing, and he was just yeah. fucking sweating all over the place. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so gross. He slipped on it. Woo! <laughs> 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 that was his dance was He was trying to stand still. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least a little bit of levity. Yeah. During all this Just awful. the tiniest bit. You have to to get through this. Part yeah. of, you really know what I mean? To. Yeah. yeah. So the show segues into more about Epstein's background and his humble beginnings. So he was born and raised in Coney Island, New York. Don't you dare try to humanize him. <laughs> Is Coney Island humanizing? No, I just couldn't fit like, it in. He was a sewer rat that. that killed people on the boardwalk. <laughs> like all Coney Island natives. <laughs> the only thing humble. I can think of is Coney Island. Like, I think of him as like a, a hot dog. That's all I can think Coney. of. It's just Chili cheese Coney. Yeah. When he was born, did they take him diarrhea. out of the womb and put him in a bun? <laughs> and a ladle chili over yes. Use your blanket of chili, my child. I W Jeffrey Epstein. He did really well in school. He was very into science and math and you know those things. He went to Cooper Union for college. He didn't finish. And one of his depositions, they ask him about it. He doesn't even remember how long like, he uh, went there. Two and a half years or something. How, how fucking narcissistic are you that you don't remember how long you attended college for? And Cooper Union, one of the most prestigious. Right. Prestigious. Prestigious? Whatever. Colleges as, in the as nation. As someone that's dropped out of college, uh, it's very easy to forget <laughs> when you were there and for how long. Because you don't have a piece of paper telling you when you stopped. <laughs> that's so. true. That is true. <laughs> He's just so like, oh. Like, I fucking hate his face. Did you drop out or did you just like end after like a semester was over? I don't know. I feel like that's different. No, I just stopped going. (laughs) I paid for it. (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. Adam did the same thing. Yeah. He just stopped going. Yeah. Well, he dropped out. Yeah. He's like, fuck this place. (laughs) (laughs) Flipped a table, then bent over and picked it back up because he's that nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. I don't know. All right, have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks for everything. So Epstein studied physics when he was there. Then he gets a job at the Dalton School, which is a very, like, posh private school. How? He didn't graduate college. He has no teaching credentials whatsoever. Dan and I are teachers in New York State. 
it's so hard. It's such a pain in the butt. To become a teacher. I mean, now, I know, with Epstein, this was back in the 70s for us, you know. It's, like, no one gave a fuck in the 70s. Yeah. So, very specifically, I've thought about this a lot. In um, some aspects. I mean, a lot of other things were yeah, going on. But yeah. yeah. But pre-internet. The stuff I could have gotten away with oh without God, databases yeah. to be checked against true, regularly. True. Like, yeah, 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 I went to Harvard for four years. I'm a doctor. Just let me yep. in. Yep. <laughs> I got a piece it. of paper. Someone signed it. Who cares? I'll bring my own lab coat. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's fine. Stethoscope. I it's bought fine. one. Yeah. <laughs> Stethoscope. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Scalpel. I bought it. <laughs> so it's just, we were talking about this this morning too. Like, it's such a slap in the face for teachers. And I know. With private schools, they're much more lax with their requirements. Like, a lot of times you don't have to be a certified teacher to work at a private school. Yeah, why would you ever send your kids there then? Right? Because it costs money, so it has to be better. They have right. too much money. they got to figure out a way to spend it. If they send them to private school or public school, they can only donate so much. Right. You know? You can only have so, so many, many of the wings named after you. have no money. <laughs> you can only benefit others so much. Right. Right. Ungodly and amount of money. So this job at the Dalton School... This really, in the docuseries, they say this starts the lifelong pattern of just getting away with stuff that most people can't because no yeah. one else would have been able to get away with that. And Tim, like you said, now with technology, forget right. it. You know, they the first thing I've been on hiring committees at my school before, and the first thing they do when they have a job opening and they have people applying, we Google those people. We yeah. look at their Facebook, all their social media. We look at any news articles associated with them. A lot of times it's not the same person, but... You know, just to kind of get a feel for it. And then I also heavily criticize their cover letter and resume. And if they have any, like, spelling errors, they're out. So he transitions to Wall Street. And Tim, I don't know. what. Do you know what he did on Wall Street? I don't understand any of this. Yeah, so when he's working for Bear Stearns, he's effectively working, I believe, somewhere in their analytics. And from what it sounds like, he's effectively just making up numbers to right. inflate their stock price to make it sell for more right. than it should be. Which is super illegal. Mm-hmm. And so he gets fired from Bear Stearns, but he hides that from everybody. Like what? people know like, that how he do you leaves. Do that? Right. Oh, that's right. People know that he leaves Bear Stearns, but they don't know why. So like, and very specifically, right now, if you are, if you work in the financial industry at all, and you get fired or hired anywhere, that goes on your record, which literally anyone can look up at any time. Effectively, it'd be insanely difficult for him to to be able to lie about his work history now. Right. So he's really a product of the times that. Mm. kind of one of the last time periods where he would be able to just blatantly lie about right. what he was and where he was doing and what degrees he may or may not have had. Yeah. So they find out that he lied on his resume about college. He admits to it when he gets caught, though. And so the person that they're interviewing at this point uh, who employed him was like, you know, if only I would have fired him. <laughs> it was like, wait, you didn't? Right. What? Yeah, they were like, well, he... He apologized. Well, and he had he a he had a good story too. Yeah. So Epstein was incredibly quick on his feet because he was like, "Yeah, I lied about it for this other job. I didn't. I so I just kind of lied about it again because I didn't want to get caught from before. I wasn't trying to lie to you guys. It was from something previous. Right. Like, yeah. Made it completely like, He's oh good. shoot, I forgot that this is something that happened right. back then. Right. Like He's I didn't. Really I didn't lie to you guys on purpose. Yeah. Apparently, he had charisma just flowing out of his pores all the time. Yeah, like apparently. he was apparently. Really good at talking his way into and out yeah. of anything and with anybody. Was, and he was dating the owner of Bear Stearns' daughter. Daughter. Oh, yeah. yeah that so so a lot. the the guy who found out that he lied went to the owner and was like, "What do I do?" And the owner was like, "Treat him like any other employee. Like you know, no nepotism." Which was good to hear. Right. Yeah. That was like, oh, but he's like, oh, he, awesome. He's gonna get fucked over here. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Just kidding. No. He doesn't get fired. Yeah. Yet. He doesn't get fired. He just keeps moving up that ladder. Fast forward to 2006, most victims didn't want to prosecute, but when they had enough, the police department went forward with arrest warrants. They had like 40-ish victims that they knew about. Not all of them uh, testified or wanted to prosecute because they knew that Epstein was super powerful and they didn't want, you know, hell to rain down on them, but, you know, whatever. Jeffrey Epstein gets this dream team of eight lawyers. <sighs> One of them is like the... the Oh, what Dershowitz a... is such a dirtbag. Right? Yeah. He's awful. Who went to Epstein's, like, pedophile island. Like, uh huh. That's not surprising. What is something star, Ken the guy, star. Ken Starr, who prosecuted Bill Clinton in the impeachment hearing. Mm -hmm. 
there were like, I mean, there were eight of them. There were so many, like a Harvard law professor. Or was that Dershowitz? Was that Harvard law professor? I don't remember. Yeah, it doesn't I just matter. remember that name because they go back to him pretty regularly yeah. and he's such a piece of crap. So just eight top tier lawyers to help with his defense case. And it's like that alone, Sarah, you know, you and I have been saying like a lot of like white male privilege, but like yes. that is the yeah. privilege. Like you can, you can afford these top lawyers mm-hmm. where, you know, so many people have to rely on public defenders Right, here's totally specifically the, the money, right, right? The money privilege here, where he can yes. afford eight of the best in the country. Yes. That's insane. Like, money is no object to him. Doesn't he has matter. so much of it, it does it. He does yeah. whatever he wants. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't. Yeah, but building up that wealth is part of being white male privilege. Oh, yes. totally. Yeah. Yeah, the ability to do that. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So his team, they look into the detectives, their background, surveillance around the clock. They go through the detective's trash, they go through the trash at the station. It's got to be gross. Super nasty, just but like they're just trash. trying to dig up like any kind of dirt, and so yeah. they talk about how like to to dispose of certain things at the station, they had to start doing it differently because they didn't want Epstein's team of private investigators to get a hold of that stuff. Can I just say I yeah. really like the idea of Epstein hiring PIs to follow detectives who are probably also working with other PIs. <laughs> there was a show on Comedy Central that was kind of like a a really in depth prank show. And the host at one point hires PIs to follow other PIs to see if they know that they're being followed. <laughs> and he also hires a PI to follow him and then hires seven actors to dress up like him and go into different parts of the city at all times. That's but really fun. Completely decide. Yeah, I like that. But though. just having the money to yeah. hire cops to follow other cops and right. go through their garbage. Yeah. And, like, that's Epstein had the resources to do that. Like, he footed that bill. And that is legal to do. Yeah. Like, absolutely. the fact that you're garbage at any time mm-hmm. is just free to anyone that wants it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Shred your shit. Shred that shit. Yeah, I always rip mine up. Yep. I mean, I put it in the same trash can, so I guess it doesn't help. But, yeah. like, I do, yeah, I always mm-hmm. shred it. Like, if I get, uh, like, credit card um, applications and stuff in the mail, which happens all the time, I just yep. sh- shreddies. Yep. Well, shreddy, shreddy. Shreddies. A guy uh, back... The first school that I taught at, one of the guys that would sub there, any, like, receipts that he would get from the ATM, he would, like, take it and then, like, run it underwater and then, like, mush it and then tear it up. So, very specifically, I was okay. thinking, it's like, I, you kind of just want to give everything a bath before you crumple yeah. it up into a big water or burn it. Yep. Yeah, yeah I'm all about burn burning it? stuff. Yeah. Start saving it. We'll burn it this summer. Just get a wood stove, you know? Mm-hmm. Throw her in there. Yeah, yep. but in Palm Beach... Seems excessive. Yeah, right? I mean, you got to heat your hot tub water somehow. Might as well be with wood. (laughs) Coconut husks or whatever. Evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Heated with evidence. In July 2006, Epstein is charged with one felony count of solicitation of prostitution, and the credibility of the victims came into question, so that's all that he got charged with. So because he targeted these, I mean, we would call them at-risk youth Mm -hmm. because those are the ones... Um, that he specifically targeted. It's like, oh, well, you know. Go ahead. You wanted to say something, Dan? Well, it's just the, the, the pull their credibility into question is so insane because, like, they all corroborated each other's stories. They mm-hmm. all said the same thing to the police. They all were able to describe the house right. in perfect detail. And the police were like, oh, you know, it all checks out. And then to say that, to, to pull into question is like, but they, they had all their ducks in a row, basically. But, it's not but they were accepting it. money to do it. Right. So and they, it takes yeah. the consent part out of it because they kept going back to get paid again. Right. And which not justifying it, but yeah, from a legal standpoint, it's fucked up mm-hmm. that 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 you can make that argument that that over whatever overrules the other fucking overwhelming evidence. It's right. like, right. right. All of these awful things happen, but you did get $200 for it. Right. So right. it's not a real crime. Yeah, you were 14, so but... Yeah, you can't legally consent, but you, you, t- you took money, mm-hmm. so that changes things, yeah. apparently. So fucked up, I can't... Ugh. And, like, to imagine, like, the, the questioning. So Jane Musgrave, she's a reporter at the Palm Beach Grove, and she gets interviewed for this. She says the questions that the defense asked the girls were brutal. Like, one girl, it was, like, rumored that she'd had three abortions, and they were like, so which is worse, having sex with Jeffrey Epstein or getting three abortions? Uh, it's like, fuck you. Yeah. Let's, like, let's what? re-traumatize exactly. yeah. people all over again, yeah. victims. It's oh, like, my cool, 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 God. Cool. Piece um, of shit. Well, oh. Especially because that could lead to other questions of, were those abortions fucking Jeff Epstein? You know what I right, mean? Like, yeah, and if you were already sexually active, then, you know, getting 
paid to have sex with Jeff Epstein. Right. Couldn't have been that bad. Which, oh, God, it's just so infuriating. But this is a thing that happens so often, like, with the victim blaming, and this is why rapes and sexual assaults go unreported so often is because that's what the defense does. And that's their job. You know, um, well, Dershowitz, mm. he says, you know, you have to question their credibility. It's not blaming them. And he says, like, quote, look at what's good for our client. So they have a job to do. I'm sure Epstein is paying them very good money. But still, how does that weigh on your on your conscience? I don't that think guy, he has uh, one. yeah. Yeah, Dershowitz yeah. obviously it doesn't because yeah. he's a Can We call him Dershowitz. Dershowitz. Oh, see, that's a good that's better than I was going to do. Dershowitz, bitch. Dershowitz. Dershowitz. Do, 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 oh, there you go. <laughs> Dershowitz. Dershowitz. I like that a lot. Okay. It fits. Um He's going to sue yeah. us now. Fucking hope so. Come at me, bro. I got no. nothing, right? <laughs> what are you going to take from this? And just to, to mean, pile on with yeah. what Danny said, too. Fucking, I don't know if you saw the news story recently where Minneapolis has 1,500 untested backlog rape kits that it's, were just sitting in boxes that yep. no one was going to fucking do anything yep. with. Right, they just ignore it. Right, so yep. not shocking that mm-hmm. people don't want to come forward to try to actually fucking do anything because... Right. I just want to go on a rant about police. <laughs> <laughs> Tone it down. We're mad about Epstein today. Okay, I know, I know. We're mad okay, about okay, Epstein. Okay, okay. <laughs> we have to think, too, that this is all before the Me Too movement, where, like, yeah. this is why we have the Me Too movement, because right. these things were completely just brushed under the rug. Mm-hmm. People didn't give a shit. Yep. It was just ignored. And hopefully that's not happening as much. Well, now, and they all maybe. discarded it as hearsay. Right. Like, oh, well, you could just say that. Fuck off. Yep. Right? It's, Even it's though so it's, awful. like, something like 98% of the time... I was listening to this podcast. Ninety-eight percent of the time, rape victims are telling the truth, like sexual assault and rape victims. But the same thing with like the stuff that's happening now. Like people are like, "Oh no, you can't believe everybody with their racist stories because they might be lying." And it's like, but ninety-eight percent of the time they're not. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the chance that this isn't one of those two percent. One of my favorite podcasts, though, they do a lot of philanthropic work and fundraising for um, and the backlog which they donate money to try and get those rape kits tested so that those victims can, um, you know, get some justice, mm-hmm. maybe. And we know the power of, like, getting DNA tested and run against other DNA databases. Well, look at um, the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, right now, a lot of fucking 23andMe, like, mm-hmm. knows yeah. which blood types are better against coronavirus right. in, like, a month and a half. It's crazy. Can I go on a little bit of a tangent? Oh, what? Jesus, Rich. Okay, so I'm in a... Team chat with my family, and I have so just just for context, uh, my mom and dad are still married and together, and I have one sister who's um, two years older than me, and so we're all in a group chat together, and uh, my mom my mom knows that I'm really paranoid about the coronavirus, mm. and so uh, she was saying that different blood types are better than others, and Kate has um, O positive. I oh, think. so she's like pretty much immune to it. Yeah, so we called her the good blood, and I said that's what you get for your birthday. <laughs> You got the good blood, <laughs> and the rest of us are a positive or like a negative or yeah. something like that. Like our sisters are my sister. Like we look exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's you a do. recessive. There's a recessive gene. Blood yeah. privilege. Yeah. I know. That's, I'm like, mom. What about mine? I'm a positive. She goes. You're oh, right, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like even. It's A B. That's the one that's like super susceptible, right? Oh, I oh fuck. I only checked. I only checked two. AB is the rarest blood Get type. Get that PPE, girl. AB negative. Okay. That's me. What, what? Anyway, so good I blood. I got that special blood. So I just call my sister good blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good blood. Uh, reporters get weekly phone calls with threats made against them from people working for Epstein. So it's this whole shit show. Michael Ryder, the police chief, he gets so mad at the prosecution. He's so angry at their lack of pressure. He goes right to the FBI. He sends the, the whole case. Yeah, yeah, the fucking balls on this guy to do that, too. For to real. supersede all uh-huh. of your superiors that you have to fucking work with yep. for the rest of your career. Good on To him. just say, fuck it, I'm going to the FBI. Yep. Fucking good on him. Yep. Mm. A lot of fuckings in that sentence, but fucking. I'm so fucking happy that that dude did <laughs> that. <laughs> Michael Ryder, We still are. might not have any conclusion to that case had he not done that at this point. Yep. Absolutely. The FBI takes over in July 2006. They circle back to the Farmer sisters. And remember, Maria contacted them about her assault back in 1996. Yeah. And then never heard anything. So she's like, yeah, I tried to tell you guys 10 years ago. But again, 
if anyone had stepped up and done anything, they potentially could have stopped all of this from happening. She gets threats back then from Glenn Maxwell like, oh, hey, you know, I know that you like to run at this area, but you should probably be careful because there are lots of ways to die. Like, what? She's just as coping. Right? Oh, yeah. God, she's disgusting. I'm sorry. Oh, she's oh, just, she's just as bad. If probably, yeah. This is probably what Alan Glover went to jail for initially uh, because it was around the same timeline. Yeah, really? So this is when he first started growing a tree. It's in Florida. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> he has the M.O. Yeah. Alan Glover. Connected to Jeffrey on, Epstein. Threatening people on bike paths, yep. you know? That's yep. what he does. <laughs> Sounds like his M.O. Huh. Yeah, these are the parallels that you'll see here at Space Between Presents. Trashy people. We're only covering stories that involve murder on bike paths. That's it. <laughs> I mean, we're talk about What's that Venn diagram? <laughs> In Florida, 80%. Yeah. Everywhere else? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty slim. Uh, Maria Farmer is living under a fake name in North Carolina when the FBI gets in touch with her in 2006. The FBI essentially has to start all over again, taking witness statements, making the girls all relive the experience, and going through their testimonies again. Which, good on Michael Ryder for, you know, superseding the powers that be and going right to the FBI, but it really sucks that those girls have to essentially get yeah. victimized all over Especially again. Especially at 10 years for the farmer yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. at that point, and you everybody. have to assume, like, you've probably yeah. worked through some stuff at that point. Even the girls in Florida, the FBI had to take yeah. new statements from them. Like, it's just, ugh. Well, it's like that, like, you have to do your due diligence, mm-hmm. making sure you have everything, but, like, you also don't want to re-victim. I'm mm-hmm. like, how do you? Right, yeah. It's a really, it's an impossible situation to be in. Yeah. A lot of victims sue Jeffrey Epstein, you know, in a civil suit mm. to try and get any kind of justice that way. We then see uh, they interview a survivor named Courtney Wilde. She started recruiting for him in like three to four years. She says she probably recruited between 40 and 60 girls, which remember at this time um, in the 2006 investigation, they're pretty set. They think that they've got around 40 victims. So she alone brings in 40 to 60 in those years. So it's just like this ever spreading web so he, like we said, you know, Tim, you pointed out earlier, Epstein gives her what she needed, the money, the um, security, things that she couldn't get anywhere else. Initially, she felt like he saved her life. Like she had a very different view of Epstein. She kind yeah. of like viewed him as a decent guy who really helped her out. Once she saw the police reports from the girls that she specifically brought to him, she changed her attitude I can't about imagine, it. imagine like this. The stomach, stomach drop feeling. Oh, my God. Right. Feeling like, oh, I can't believe I did this to 40, 260 women. Right. That she knew. Like, they were her friends at school. Like, people yeah. that she interacted with every day. How big is that school? I mean, it's a it's a large well, area. Yeah. Well, and it wasn't yeah. just one school. Yeah, you said there yeah. were multiple oh, okay. schools. Yeah. And she gets vilified pretty hard, too. Yeah. Mm. But the w- super important thing about that is she was never assaulted by... Right. Epstein. Uh, yeah. She left, and that's when he made her the offer to recruit. So mm-hmm. she very realistically may not have known right. the full extent of what mm-hmm. she was signing these other girls up for. And uh, Hopefully. Right. And yeah, a I lot of so. the girls, after their encounters with Epstein, they felt so much, like, shame about it that they didn't talk about it. So right. they weren't saying, like, oh, my God, can you believe what – you know, there wasn't this, like – you know, what guys call it, like, locker room talk or whatever. Like, there wasn't any of that – between lady the, conference yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't any kind of like lady social hour about like hey uh so jeffrey epstein fucked me what about you guys there wasn't any of that so they very well might not have known right but you know i don't know well and to think about that too if she was getting just 200 dollars per person maximum 60 people the amount of lives that she's doomed and ruined for 12 grand mm-hmm is crazy but nothing's ever enough but like i mean it's really not like it seems super but like teenage money in 2006 like Mm -hmm. you know if it's like dog eat dog like sorry i gotta throw you to the wolves but i mean i I gotta get out of here yeah i couldn't it's just it's so sad it's really sad like we were all teenagers we know what it's like to make poor choices dan and i work with teenagers every day we see their poor choices. They're fucking idiots. Day. They're so <laughs> dumb. They're so stupid. And the stuff that they get mad about, I'm like, trust me, in two years, this isn't going to matter to you. Six months, you're not going to care exactly. at all. Exactly. 
But so, this is the way out for a lot of these girls. Yes, this is, they exactly. see That's this how as they see their it. way yes. out. Yeah. Yep. Because money can help elevate you and get you out of these shit situations, which is why it's so sad that so many people in our country don't have money. So they're just like perpetually in this awful cycle. Like of I have struggle. an iPhone six, but I have an, if I had an iPhone 10 plus, I would no longer be in the situation. that right. I'm in. That's right. You know? Because so, I would have so many more features, right? <laughs> Those features could change my life. So Courtney's lawyer that she gets for her civil suit, uh, backtracks all the molestation, you know, and, and has this little, like, um, Almost like it looks like a family tree type thing. I like this guy a lot too. He's Brad is his first name. I don't know his last name, but I just have him in the notes as the badass lawyer because <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing and he doesn't back down. Even when he's threatened, he doesn't back down. But that lawyer backtracks this molestation pyramid where, like, all right, here's Courtney, here's who recruited her up top and then here's everybody that she recruited and it's this is where it really it is a pyramid scheme and it's huge like he figures all this out in a month and he's like if we kept going like this thing is just beyond comprehension how many people were involved how yeah. many victims there are uh galene maxwell is at the top of the pyramid they describe her as a bubbly extrovert which balances jeffrey epstein's introvert tendencies so she's the one, you know, because she's the one who talked to um, Virginia and was like, hey, you should come and, you know, meet this guy and you could work for him. So she's got this, like, bubbly personality. Everyone describes her as being really beautiful, really intelligent, really put together. She comes from a good family. So she is kind of like that ideal front runner because if you have Jeffrey Epstein coming up and be like, hey, do you want to be my traveling masseuse? Like, get out of here, creepy dirtbag. I got an egg shake. Egg-shaped Egg dick. dick. Do you want to look at it? <laughs> <laughs> we I know he was about... smoother than that, but I really want yeah. him to be like... I know. I was going to say, we hear about his crazy high-level charisma. Yes. So yeah. maybe it yeah. wouldn't be that bad if Well, and when you see the pictures of him at, when he's younger, he looks like a mongoloid. Like, he looks like yeah. Lurch with a jerry curl. Yes. He looks like a that... monster. I, I'm trying mustache. to be really 100% honest. Yeah. I didn't think he was that bad looking. No, gotcha. when he's older and he once he doesn't have the dark hair, it's really weird how yeah. like once he gets the salt and pepper hair, he is a good looking guy. Yeah, yeah it's not you bad. Know. I know. I and and he's like he reminds me of Richard Gere. Like he's handsome in that way. Where like I don't strong chin, salt strong and pepper. chin, salt and pepper hair. Because like yeah. Richard Gere with black hair, I don't find him attractive. No, but like you. Pretty Woman, Richard Gere. Yeah. Yep. I'd take a whack at it. Yep. All right. He could get it <laughs> if he wanted it. I would give it consent. Just no kissing on the mouth, you know. Yeah. Pretty Woman style. Yeah. I love that movie. I do, too. It's also problematic, but I love that so movie. So problematic, but I grew up on it. So. Me, too, so it's okay. <laughs> Which is why I am the way I am. <laughs> so, how does Epstein make his money? Nobody knows. No, they do know. Oh. I mean, kind of. He's. <laughs> I just don't understand. So, so He's yeah. an advisor. He manages assets. He gets a portion of the assets that he manages. Mm, so I need most somebody likely... to manage my assets. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I mean, 2%. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, effectively, he has some high net worth clients. He probably doesn't have a lot of them. Um, that He's just literally on the record for their advisor, so he right. gets a cut of whatever they have. I heard in the Wondery podcast, he will own, like, his firm only takes on billionaires with a B. Correct. They only yep. want the B. There's a couple other ones out there, too, that it's like, if you don't have... Broke but in. very specifically, there's a lot of firms out there that will only talk to clients that have a certain net worth or assets that they can manage of half a million or more multimillionaires or, or things like that. So it's certainly, if you want to do not a lot of work, but make a lot of money, um, you know, just only work yeah. with the richest people ever. Right. Super oh, easy. I just want to say... How do I'm... you get there? <laughs> lie. You lie about you it. Lie. Your way. I can't now. Back in the 80s, you lie. Um, I am so glad that our like financial advisor money person doesn't have those criteria and is willing <laughs> to work with us. 1986, Stephen Hoffenberg. Jeffrey Epstein is thrown out of Bear Stearns. Hoffenberg Finally. is the CEO of Tower Industries or something, some name like that. So Hoffenberg interviews him. Jeffrey Epstein literally took over the interview, like just took it. And he was leading that interview, even though he was the one who wanted the job. So he's very charismatic. And then they run a Ponzi scheme. So, Tim. So very specifically, 
the, the dude that they're interviewing for this literally gives zero fucks about all the people he's fucked over. Ugh, yeah, like, awful. ran a Ponzi scheme for a long time. I believe he did time for it. Just no remorse whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So him and Jeffrey Epstein are going to get along great. Well, he uh, starts it off where, like, yeah, we hired Jeff because he was doing illegal stuff and we're running a Ponzi scheme anyway. He so he was a perfect fit. It. And it was like, right. what? Yep. Just and comes right out. I Always awkward to word the sentence, but I really find Ponzi schemes interesting. Mm-hmm. The fact that how they how they work and how they're able to work. Effectively, a Ponzi scheme is you have client A, B, and C. You take money from all of them, and you say, I'm going to give you X return. And you take person C and B's money, and you give it to person A to be like, look at all this money I made you. Yeah. You should reinvest it. Okay. That person gives them all the money back, because why wouldn't you? Right. You then do the same thing to the other people, and you take all these money and just effectively take a little bit from each person and quote-unquote give it to another person so that they think that you're doing a good job, and on a long enough timeline, you're just skimming hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars from these people while giving them the impression that they're making a shit ton of money. Right. And then one day, you're just like, oh, the market's bad. All your money's gone. Sorry. And you walk away. Right. And so the more people you have involved in a Ponzi scheme, like the bigger and therefore more profitable it can be? Yeah. Cool. And the easier it is to move money around. Effectively, you just need access to other people's money to make other people believe that they are making money with you. So Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes are kind of similar in that way. Somewhat. Okay. To like the person on top getting the money, but then in a pyramid scheme, then that person is out and then supposedly other people down the line move up the line. Right. Yeah. There's certainly similarities. A Ponzi scheme is just, you have to be able to convince these people. You have to have Jeffrey Epstein level of charisma to convince these people that the money that they don't have is money that they have and they should keep it with you and not question you. Right. Yeah. So Hoffenberg, he pleads guilty. They get found out, whole investigation, blah, blah, blah. Hoffenberg pleads guilty. He's sentenced to 20 years and he never gives dirt on Jeffrey Epstein because he knew that Epstein had dirt on him or something like that. So like he never even like rats on him. I don't know if he was hoping that like Epstein would like, I don't know, come to his defense or something, but he doesn't. And all of that, it just echoes that the manipulation, the charisma, the the controlling strength that Epstein had. And Hoffenberg even says, like, he was so charismatic. Like, he could get people. And this is, like, a grown, intelligent businessman. And he's like, he could get people to do stuff you wouldn't believe. Mm -hmm. So the idea that he could, like, convince these young girls to come and do these things and just like get intertwined with him it's no surprise yeah you know it's not a far-fetched exactly yes exactly so in 1986 epstein meets les wexner who is the founder of the limited and he also bought abercrombie and fitch and victoria's secret he's a billionaire with a b and he actually gives his power of attorney to epstein again just get crazy people just give him things yep and crazy depending on if it was a durable or an undurable power of attorney Effectively, Jeffrey Epstein completely owns him in every way, shape, and form at that yeah. point. He can literally deny him medical coverage. That's, <laughs> like, that's crazy. What? Isn't that what happened to Stan Lee? Similar. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. His yeah. daughter like worked over their estate. Awful. That's weird. Bitch. Anyway, um, they are, like Epstein is asked if they were romantically or sexually involved, which I think is really interesting in a deposition. Um, not that I think that that's like, a necessity to have power of attorney over someone, but I feel like, you know, it, yeah. I don't I don't see that that as being very far-fetched that Epstein would use sex as leverage for something like that kind of power. Give me your yeah. POA and I'll put my P in your A, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We got, yes. I love that. Um, the docuseries T-shirt. explains, right, I was just thinking we got to put that on some merch. <laughs> that I, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just with Tim's face with like the shooting. <laughs> <laughs> Between 1991 and 2006, Epstein oversaw the sale of, of more than 1.3 billion dollars of stock from Wexner's company. So that's so much money. And so, it was all artificially artificially inflated too from the Ponzi scheme too. Right. You because oh, you effectively just make up what your stock is worth and right. then sell it to yep. people. There you go. Cool. Yeah. This stuff yeah. is worth Fucking 7, love it. Yeah. Oh, God. And, like, it drives me crazy that, like, these are the types of people that, like, influence our government so heavily yeah. because of, like, lobbyists and stuff like it that. Goes, it, 
according to um, <laughs> it? my my favorite murder, all the way to the top. All the way to the top. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. So Epstein's proximity to Wexner got him access to models because he claimed that he was a talent scout for Victoria's Secret. He assaulted an aspiring model. She made a complaint at the Santa Monica Police Department, but nothing happens, and they don't even call her for a follow-up. Shocking. Huh. Wow. Why don't more women report rape when it happens? I wonder. Fuck the, the police. Oh, okay. That <laughs> too. Oh, God, it drives me so crazy. Yeah. In 2019, Wexner explains that he cut ties with Epstein back in 2007. Now, 2007 was right around the time when Epstein was serving time or his solicitation charges. And I use the term serving time very loosely. Oh, we'll God, talk about yeah. that in episode three. Apparently, Epstein stole $46 million from him, but Wexner never pressed charges and nobody knows why. Because they fucking. They fucking. He yeah, putting he that P in that A. P-O-A-P-I-A. Mm. Yeah. So back to the Florida case. Private investigator Mike Fiston. Mm. Yeah. What a great fucking name. I was like, name. that's an appropriate name for this show. Yeah. Oh. Fiston the Piston. He's working for the good guys, though. Okay. You know, yeah. he finds like 46 more victims that they didn't even know about before. It's at, crazy. At this point, we're... I mean, we're talking about hundreds of victims, right? Like yes. Multiple hundreds. Yes. They, they never really put a number on it, but no. it has to be well above 300. Uh huh. I would definitely say so. In a deposition asking about his attraction to minor females, the lawyer is the tits. This is Brad. I don't know his last name. Sorry, Brad, but I love you. Brad the tits? Brad the tits. <laughs> okay. Yes. He asks if Epstein was sexually abused as a minor, which, like, Bam! Way to ask those questions. Then after that, Epstein's investigators start following the lawyer and his family. I do and love all the depositions with this dude where he's just like, so are you a huge fucking dickhead? <laughs> <laughs> so Are you the worst person that ever lived? Or I plead the fifth. <laughs> yeah. My lawyers advised me to invoke my Fifth Amendment, right? Yeah, Fuck off, Jeffrey Epstein. I would like to answer, but my lawyer right. told me no. For my Fifth, Sixth, and Fourteenth Amendment rights, like I, I know that I know it was Fifth, fifth. Sixth, and I I wanted to say it was Fourteenth. I don't remember what the Sixth. But that was. like gives him equal protection under the law. Sixth Amendment gives the right of criminal defendants the right to a public trial without unnecessary delay, the right to a lawyer, right to an impartial jury, right to know who your accusers are. And the nature of the charges and evidence against you. I don't know. Who fucking cares? Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, that's an important one. Yeah. With so many victims to be able to then follow the victims and have PIs Uh follow them and intimidate them and threaten them with the voodoo spells or whatever that Mm -hmm. he did in episode one. Oh, my God. And that poor journalist. Such a left turn that I was not expecting. Oh, my God. Voodoo. (laughs) So they're they're absolutely using these, like, scare and intimidation. They're using these scare and intimidation tactics. They try and get uh, Brad the Tits lawyer to abandon the case, to abandon his um, clients, which he's like, I absolutely wasn't going to do that. And I was like, Brad, I keep falling in love with you more and more every time you stand up to Jeffrey Epstein. Sorry, Dan. I'm okay with that. Okay. This guy. Yeah. Were you okay with her saying that Jeffrey Epstein was a silver fox? (laughs) (laughs) And while watching the show, they kept talking about how he was a good-looking guy. (laughs) I kept meaning to turn to you and be like, is he actually? Because... Sometimes I, I don't know. It depends on the light. Cer- certain photos, too, That's where, like, sometimes he has that, like, pedo look, and I'm like, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. no. That's not a good look that for him. That stupid little smile he does. Oh, fuck. It's oh, it's so, so, yeah. yep. so smug. It's like that shit-eating grin kind of thing. Like, yes. But that, the reverse. Epstein's team start investigating the victims start intimidating them. One girl uh, describes how they shined, uh, they parked their car outside of her house and shined the headlights. Which is just so juvenile. Right, but it's totally like, we are here, we are watching you. It's that scare tactic. There are people that do that, like, not directly across the road, but the next house up, they do that all the time. I don't think it's on purpose. There's, like, always somebody, this car's out in their front yard with the lights on. Drugs. Like, all night. So at all different times I'll wake up to go use the bathroom or get up really early yep. or be up really late and there's always this car out there with the lights on. I'm like, I don't understand. What is happening across the road? He does I, all of his business uh, in his car. I'm assuming you've seen this too. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm usually leaving your guys' house at like 11 or midnight yeah. after we record and that dude's always there. But no, yeah, every time I leave, he's there. 
and I just I'm like, am I being followed? Or are they waiting for me to leave? Are they gonna? I don't know. It's been like that. I get in my head about that, and I'm yeah. like, obviously someone's going to die. I need to make decisions now to right. save everyone's <laughs> life. Like, no, it's been going on since before we started recording podcasts. I just did. I haven't ever really talked about it because I'm like, I don't understand. So. Brad, the tits lawyer, actually moves one of the girls to a secure location downstate. It's weird to say that in regards to a state other than New York, though. Yeah. Like right. south in Florida. Um, it to, gets worse as you go south It in really does. Uh, but they move her there to keep her family safe. And she says, like, why should I be trying to keep my family safe from someone who should be sitting in jail? Yeah. Like, this guy should not be able to do this. There's a private investigator camera war where, like, Brad's private investigator goes and finds <laughs> Epstein's private investigator and just starts taking pictures of him in his car. So then well, Epstein's private too. investigator starts taking pictures of him. Slayers. So they're just taking pictures of each other in their car. <laughs> do you think one of them waved at each other? Like, Hi. They have Brad to know each other, right? Like, I, or Brad's PI guy's like, waves to him. And he's it's like, I'm fisting, here. Yeah, yeah Fiston. I like fisting. this guy. Oh, he's I, awesome. I know how, like, generally... Private investigators are like independent, but like if these guys like work for the same private investigator company, they're like, "Oh, we're going back over to the old Epstein place Wait. to take pictures of each other." Well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you want to grab lunch first? They must like run in the same circles. And that's circles. how Instagram was born. Yeah, they have to run in the same circles. <laughs> <laughs> that deserves more reaction. November two thousand seven. The case against Epstein would put him in prison for the rest of his life if he's found guilty of just one charge. There's a 53-page indictment against him. But then in May of 2008, badass lawyer Brad calls uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office to get an update. The lady on the phone can't tell him anything. The FBI agents are forbidden to talk to the Palm Beach Police Department, and something fishy is clearly going on. U.S. Attorney Acosta met with Epstein's lawyers. The indictment is gone, and the FBI case is stopped. FBI agents are upset, voiced opposition to this. The lead agent, her name's... Nesbitt Kirkendall is really upset about it. Unfortunately, we'd never hear from her specifically, but people talk to her reaction about it. They're all really upset about this. They felt bad for the victims because they thought Epstein would get sent away for the rest of his life. They really thought these girls would get some kind of closure and some kind of justice, and no one knows why Acosta shut it down. Acosta's a little bitch. Oh, my God. His face is the worst thing in the world. He's a little simp bitch. Oh, God. Probably a little simp bitch. Yeah. Yeah. He is the worst. And I that's just, where episode two ends. I just want to say real quick, yeah. I looked it up for you. His name is Bradley Edwards. Bradley Edwards. Yeah. Because you keep saying Brad the tits lawyer, and I'm like, <laughs> have you been wrongfully accused of having tits bigger than they are? Fucking call Brad the tits lawyer. Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, so Bradley Edwards is an amazing attorney. I love that he would work so hard for this these girls who did have their credibility called out, and they weren't like... You're, like, top-tier citizens of, like, what people think, like, an ideal teenage girl should look like. Like, these were girls who, after their encounters with Epstein, they got into drugs. Some of them, like, ran away and turned to prostitution to make money or sex work. Like, they weren't, you're like, oh, hi. They weren't who they were before they met Epstein. Right. And say, I feel like, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, what's the big deal? He had sex with these people. They didn't say no. They didn't go away or whatever. But it's the fact that, like, it ruined lives, mm-hmm. It at least for a time. Hundreds. Yeah. I'm, so I'm shocked that there wasn't, like, a, a father or a mother, a parent, or an uncle or a brother that just didn't fucking shoot Epstein at some point. Right. right? Yeah. Like, it's incredible. It's just and how awful that is, that the, tra- the trauma of it and how it changed the, the, the trajectory, trajectory of Hundreds of girls' lives. Yeah, so absolutely. Awful. The girls who recruited, the girls who were recruited, like everybody involved. And when you are a 14-year-old girl, I'm any age, it doesn't matter. You can't... So many of them describe their time with him like, I didn't know what was happening. I was afraid to say no. Especially like when they're on his private island. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, that would be a rough when, one. You know, episode that's three. episode three, yeah, but... You know, to be this teen girl and so many of them that he preyed on, you know, they had low self-esteem. And so this rich white guy was paying attention to you and telling you how pretty you were, even though you had braces and your parents were divorced. And, you know, I I totally, I get it. I completely get it. And, like, not wanting to tell anybody because who's going to believe you? Right. Number right. one. As we've seen often, doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Well, and as a kid, you're scared that your parents are going to find out that you have this money and mm-hmm. how you've been getting it. Like, there's so much yep. involved. 
Yeah, there's fear that they're going to get in trouble when they're not the ones doing anything illegal. You know, they're being victimized. And it's really gross. Yep. So. All of it's gross. I don't know. Just. Yeah. So that's where we're going to end it here for episode two. Thanks so much for joining us here at The Space Between Presents Filthy Rich. And be sure to tune in next time when we talk about episode three, talking mad crap about Jeffrey Epstein. Thanks so much for listening. Why don't you go and check out all the other great shows that the Professional Casual Network has to offer, including season one of The Space Between Presents I Saw a Tiger, which follows the Netflix smash series Tiger King and details the acid-washed antics of Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, Jeff Lowe, as well as others. This season, we're taking a deep, dark dive into the four-part Netflix docuseries Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich. Big Fiction Energy is our audio drama pod in which Tim, Danny, and myself tell the story of Lanny, the Girl Without Fear, a fantasy novel by Dan. A grim podcast of perilous adventure is the Professional Casual Network's Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay Actual Play podcast. We're playing through The Enemy Within, which is widely considered one of the best campaigns of any RPG. Join Dan as the GM as Danny, Tim, Alexander P. Nelson, and JB try to survive the perils of the old world. And if you needed more deep dives, also check out The Space Between, which is a discussion and review of the best games, comics, and nerd movies of today and yesteryear. We also have Elite Eight Showdown with high-octane host Big Chuck and his research team. Join him while he financially ruins his partner Tim and completes an eight-team tournament bracket that could be about anything and everything. Lastly, we have Professionally Asked, Casually Answered, a totally real, totally fake advice show where we take questions and topics from you, our listeners, and do our best not to completely ruin your lives. Danny, where could people follow us or ask us questions for Professionally Asked, Casually Answered? I'm so glad you asked that, Tim. You can go ahead and email us questions. Our email address is theprofessionalcasual at gmail.com. You can also follow us and message us on Instagram at theprofessionalcasual. On Facebook, we're facebook.com slash professionalcasual. Twitter, we're at top tier casual. Our website is theprofessionalcasual.com. On Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash professionalcasual. And you can also check out Lindsay's Instagram at lindsayfphotography, where you can check out all of her great photos of abandoned places and events. What are some other things that people could find on our Patreon, Danny? They can find Sarah's doodles. They can find different vlogs. They can find lots of polls. I know Big Chuck's got a ton of stuff up there. It's all just a wild time. Extra bonus content, all of those things.